First of all, I came here as, asyl as an asylum seeker. So when you're an asylum seeker, you don't have permission to work. You stay at home and think only about what happened to you and what you came through. Comfrey Project, I would say, is a place where people can come, make relationship with others, and make new friends. I would call Comfrey as my second home. I love, I love that there are people there, that they're always there for you. And you make them know that you are there for them as well. About the conflict, first of all, for me, it is a gate to UK. I've been involved in so many activities in the conflict project, helping new people that have been arriving. So we are in a helping chain inside of our little community. We are always trying to help Comfrey and they, they are helping us uh, in very different aspects. I'm not very confident about the language, so uh, by speaking I can improve my English. People are friendly. There's a lovely garden. It makes you very happy. A lot. A lot of staying, gardening, helping, volunteer, gardening materials to send it to other people because of the new restriction rule of the court. Since I arrived in, in Newcastle, it was, I can say it was the only place where we could garden. When I say we, it's just some refugees because I'm a refugee here in UK. Some people can experience financial hardships, such as when we first moved here. For five people, we had to survive three weeks without any money. And in that moment, I went to Comfrey Project and they arranged something for me with the Red Cross. So it was just an immediate help for me. And that was what I needed at that moment the most. You can meet different people, different volunteers every time when I go there. So you see a volunteer and then you speak, you chat with them. It makes me very happy since during these days, I am without my family, I am alone. So it is very important to communicate with some people. They help me to be active citizen. So for example, we had active citizen courses before the lockdown. It gives me chance to share my ability, to share my experience with the people since I, uh, I was a math teacher before coming here, so I trying to show some of my skills. It was just like we have an area, a place where we can, we can discuss, we can chat, we can explain our problem. So the conflict project was a bit like, like I can say a bridge with some other, <laughs> some other uh, organization or the help that they can bring to us for new people that are just arriving in in Newcastle uh, specifically. And we organize a lot of fun there. We organize a lot of concerts there. We cook some of our traditional food. There's a lot of place for children to play, for us to discuss about our country, what we were doing before coming to the UK. Confibility is a very nice place where we sometimes we forget about all the difficulties that we passed, that we have been facing in the past. When I was an asylum seeker, they trust me, they helped me a lot, they gave me a place to speak out, 
and they they helped me a lot whenever I had problem when they could or even if they couldn't uh, help me at least they would listen to me this is my story and this is my story this is my story my story is about when i came here and how did i feel how was it how how i cope with the situation i was in and how i i tried to come out of that situation and improve myself basically i'm always ready so let's start it my name is James. I'm from Iran, and this is my story. Three years ago, I came here with my family. We didn't know anyone or anywhere when we arrived here. We didn't have a good level of English either. Uh, we didn't have any friend or anyone to help us. I was at home all days, and I didn't go out unless I wanted to buy some food. All of my world was my room. I was in my room and I tried to ignore the world outside of my house. I had my family with, my, uh, with me, so I, I couldn't speak with them. I passed days and do nothing. I was hopeless and disappointed. But staying at home, nothing changed. Everything was boring and my mood getting worse and worse. I was sleeping in daytime and I was awake at night. Try to watch some movies or speak with my friends back home. I was getting sick of the situation, but because I used to this situation, I was afraid to changing it. One day, I was thinking about how long more I can continue this lifestyle or how 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 long more can I can I be in this situation? I'm young and I should make my life better. I have to make a new life here. In that day I started to change the situation. I decided to change it. I went out to see around the house for the first first time after three weeks. As I said, I used to go out, but only for shopping. And the shop was opposite our house. So it was like from house to shop and shop to house. So for the first time I went out and tried to discover around the house and where are the parks or any other thing. I started to learn English. It was difficult. But if you want to change the situation, you have to work hard and fight for it. If you don't fight for, for what you want, you won't get anything. If we don't move, we cannot complain or blame that the life is difficult. Life is a battle. We fight every day. I'm fighting every day and I will continue it until I will, I will get what I want. This is my story. I hope you like it. My name is Ye. I'm from Turkey, and this is my story. I moved to Newcastle in um, February 2020. Yeah. When I moved here, my first 
my priority was to continue my education because I had to left my university in Turkey uh, before I came here and I was in my third year actually I was going really good but I had left so yeah my priority was that one you know my education I was trying to research I was trying to find some ways to have to get in the uni you know when, when you're an asylum seeker but I I experienced lots of challenges about this uh, the main one is I contacted with an you know educational advisor and all he told me was like you cannot be accepted to university because you're an asylum seeker and you they will reject you and that will be a bad mark on your application form so i don't recommend you to apply for university i i became really upset i was depressed i was desperate really and there in leeds there uh, there was a charity uh harp and so uh, rose mccarty Uh, helped me a lot in this process and she brought lady young lady for me to the hotel just to make me encouraged to do that application and prepare the application form uh, thank you very much mary brandon i am just gonna uh, say the names and thank again and then i prepared my application form but after that advisor told me these i just changed my mind and i you know decided not to apply for university university and after I moved to Newcastle I heard about a girl who is an asylum seeker as well and applied for university and I got accepted and then I said why not why not you know it's worth a try yeah so because of the things I experienced in Turkey actually I really become interested about law I wanted to learn everything about law so that I can use them later maybe and you know um, I can maybe help the other people who are experiencing the same things as me like human rights issues or freedom of thought if there is a pressure about telling your thoughts free freely I prepared a personal statement about me I wrote everything about me myself and I, I, I didn't have a degree, but I put everything I uh, have. Then I applied for universities, not really hopefully. And I applied for Notre University as well in Newcastle and Greenwich University in London. So both of them accepted me. It was a conditional offer. They wanted me to take the IELTS exam and get more than 6.5. And I got 7.5 instead. So it was really easy then after that moment after my application after I got my offers it was really easy because then you became more motivated to do something and it pushed you really so yeah and after that process the financial issues was the main issue for me because the thing is government is not paying for your tuition fees and you're an asylum seeker when you don't have a refugee status There are universities that are offering sanctuary scholarships for asylum seekers and you need to find them. You need to apply for that universities instead of the ones that they're not given. So I applied for that universities and Northumbria asked me to attend an interview. And in that interview, I again explained myself and my situation in this country. I you know, provided my immigration documents and stuff. So they awarded me with the scholarship. And now I'm not paying anything to the uni. 
I'm really thankful for that. And I will receive £1,000 per year to contribute my living costs from the university. And this is my story. And now I am studying law in Northam University. As an asylum seeker, you should really start with applying through UCAS. First of all, beforehand, applying for, through UCAS, you can ask for uni- to universities if whether they will accept you or not beforehand, because in the UCAS system, you only have five options, five uh, university options to choose. So um, if you can ask the universities, email them beforehand, uh, it will be good for you. So I didn't do that. So I got three rejections. Uh, It will be good for you. And take the IELTS exam before your application if you are confident with your English. So I was confident with my English, but I didn't apply. I didn't take the exam before. So maybe if I would get the 7.5 from IELTS before I apply for the universities, maybe I could get into, you know, better universities such as like Manchester or Birmingham my own university is good as well, but, you know, just in the Russell Group universities. So if you take the IELTS exam before, if you are confident with your English, then do it and then put your IELTS uh, result in your application as well. So as an asylum seeker, it could be hard to pay the IELTS fee because it's £180 and it's quite expensive for an asylum seeker. And there is a very useful charity that you can uh, send an email and ask for help. And it's called RefuAid, refuaid.net.com. So you can contact with them and ask, uh, how can I pay my IELTS fee? And they will probably help you with it. And they helped me, so they will help you as well. After applying through UCAS, you will get some offers. If you don't take the IELTS exam, you can get conditional offers, which would ask you to take the exam. You should look at all the opportunities that the university will provide you. If you are not living in that city, so I'm right now living in Newcastle with my family, so I really don't need much money for my living costs. But if you will go somewhere else like you know if you live in Newcastle and go to Manchester then you need more money to survive so because the government will not give you so um, you should take a look at all the university scholarship amounts you can go through star-network.org.uk and look all universities and how much they offer the scholarship to you then you can see yeah I will choose that university and yeah I will I'm going to live there then they will probably want uh, some proof of documentation about your immigration status. Then you will provide them and that will be all you got into uni. Sorry, but for all this, personal statement is the key point of your application. Just remember that and you should write it really carefully. I didn't have a PC when I wrote my personal statement, so I spent my two weeks in the library. So it will be easier if you have a PC at home and internet so you can write and you can see the structure on UCAS own website. Also, I would like to thank some very special people at the end of my speech. I would like to thank to Barbara Pounder, Mary Brandon, uh, Sue Clough and Rose McCarty. And they are so valuable people for me. And again, thank you very much for your helps. It was such a luck to meet them. So if, if they wouldn't be in my life, I would never been in this position right now oh yeah (laughs) thank you very much for giving me a chance to say their names
that's all I think. Hopefully it helps. Eric um, uh, from uh, from Cameroon. I've been in, the, in a country, uh, I've born in Cameroon, stayed there for a long time before forcing to go outside because of the political situation. I have a very big family which is involved in so many uh, political area, political situation. Going 10 years now, that uh, my family, specifically my father, my uncle, uh, was targeted by the government because our uh, because of their situation, political situation, and it was very difficult for some of us, and which were, which was arrested and tortured in some prison of the country. Chance for me uh, was escaped by a friend of my father who helped me because he's the he's the army man. Is a military, so we we have a chance. Children, some children, my father, our brothers and sister, we have a chance to to escape the prison because uh, we're arrested and locked in different areas. So uh, that is why that's where I I just move out of the country. I've been in so many countries, like in in Nigeria, African country, before going now. I was in Morocco and and there too in 2017, 2015-16. Uh, our family is very known in Cameroon. So I was um, in Morocco. So I was already... We're already uh, uh, in 2015, 16, that some information was uh, was to inform, we grab up some information that uh, I was already targeted even in Morocco. Uh, I was not even uh, welcome in the embassy to do something so because I was hiding. So there too, I was not safe in Morocco because uh, it was already, they was already knowing where I was. So I decided to move on to Morocco. To Morocco was in 2016, and beginning 2017, 16 years. So I'm then uh, to come to the UK. Since then, um, I'm here in the UK. It was very difficult because I've never been to Europe. It was my first time to be here in the UK. And uh, I was just like, I was in alone in a, in a country. I just arrived. I was in London in the street like this. I didn't even know where I was. I was just, I was in the UK. So it was very difficult. So I was, I was bring back someone that I just asked in the street uh, for some help to claim for for uh, for a statue, for a refugee statue, wanted to pay for asylum seeker. They helped me to bring me in the in office, in the home office to claim for for protection, and then that's what I did. I was in London previously, and then you changed me the a place to bring me in Birmingham. After they bring me in Leeds, and then they bring me in, in Newcastle. So it was in so many places. 
and it was very difficult because I was I didn't know with who or make some friends it was a bit difficult but I also faced all the very some situation of discrimination that was also very very embarrassed and very sad for me that I can face some some I didn't know that I have been facing things like this, but it was very, very, very difficult for, for me. And I was alone here, so it was very difficult. My name is Yusuf. I am from Turkey. This is my story. It was uh, years ago, back to 1997. I graduated from Middle East. Technical University, one of the famous universities in my uh, native country. So there were two ways for me. Either stay in my own country with good conditions, everything just start to work somewhere. But there was another option to me. Go to some uh, hard, difficult country and then to teach some pupils over there. I decided to go to Tajikistan. During that time, there was a war. Even though my family, my father and mother, they didn't uh, want to send me to this country since, uh, as you know, during that time, Turkey was very good, good conditions, everything, no problem. So you are saying to your parents, you will go to a country where there is a civil war. I chose to go to the Tajikistan. Firstly, it was very hard for me, new country, and then start to teach. Everything was new for me. But uh, even though these difficulties, I liked. Firstly, for example, I was thinking, let me teach just six months and then coming back to Turkey so that I will have a very good life. Then I get used to teach, and then I liked uh, the students. Since really uh, the country was not stable during that time, the children and the parents, they were appreciating us a lot since foreigners, they are escaping from this country, but you came here, you are teaching to our children, but making us very happy. So for example, you, we were not going outside too much since if the police uh, uh, sees you, they say, there's your ID, and then they make some kind of troubles. Usually I was spending my uh, time at school and uh, at home. Our school was boarding school. Most of the time at night also I was spending to teach students, to help them with their studies. One day I went to school. I learned that one of the, my smart student father died because of some terror attacks. He was a deputy mayor, uh, so it made me very unhappy. It was the second year of my teaching. So even though these things uh, didn't stop me to teach in this country, as a teacher, I had a dedicated, I mean, I thought that as a human being, if I do something good for humanity, it makes me happy. There were lots of obstacles for teaching, but I didn't give up. I continued to teach. Years passed, I became one of the famous mass teachers of this country. Also, our students, they were getting 
in national Olympias and in the international Olympias, they were gaining many medals. It was making me very happy. I was chosen as a deputy leader of mathematics team of this country. Also, what was making me very happy, I had lots of students from different cultures, from different religion, religion backgrounds. It was a very good environment for me to teach over there. It was making me very happy. But one day, around 2013-14, something started to change. Because of some political reasons, our school came at the edge of the closing. So there is one thing you couldn't understand. You are the best school. You are gaining uh, first place in international, say, in national Olympiads. And then you have lots of medals in international Olympiads. It made us very unhappy. So what to do? We don't know. So we are asking the uh, government why. So they don't say that uh, your school maybe will close. Because of the political situations, they decided. 2015, our school closed. All the administration, all the teachers changed. Many, like me, many teachers so we were in the middle, what to do, we didn't know. Also, new administration, they are saying they are not even guaranteed to work in the new school. Just they closed our school, everything they changed. At that year, the new administration of the school, they said, we cannot send these students to international Olympiad. We cannot afford students and parents and me. We were very unhappy since this is a very bad situation. Students, they are preparing for Olympias, International Olympias. Every year we were, as usual, we were going. They, these students uh, had a dream for years. Maybe some of them will join first time in International Olympias in the different countries. It was very sad days for them, for parents, for teachers like me. I started to search to find the support for these students so that they can joined to this international Olympiads. Luckily, I collected some money. There was a missing amount. So, Minister of Education, they said, uh, promised to give this amount, but at that time, they didn't give. One of my friends, luckily, I mean my uh, graduate students, he was selling the ticket. I said to him, okay, if you cannot get this money from the Minister of Education, if they don't give, I will give you the key of my car to you. If you cannot get this money, then okay, sell my car. On that year, I solved this problem like this. Parents, all the students who prepared, who passed uh, for international Olympiads, they succeeded to go to international Olympiads. They gained the medals. For example, two, two of my students from mathematics in Thailand. They got uh, one bronze and one silver medal. So these students now, they are studying different prestigious universities of the world, like USA, Hong Kong, Korea, Japan, UK, Germany. So they are very thank thankful to me. It was very good for me. Parents very happy. Everyone is very happy. So if you do something with the passionate and then if you don't stop so you will succeed at the end 
This is the my story. Thank you very much. Hi, my name's Mandy. I'm the founder and director of Sale Creative, and we ran the storytelling workshops at the Comfrey Project. This is a little bit about our story and how we facilitated the process. Yeah, so we went into lockdown, obviously, at the end of March, and we're just chatting, saying, what can we do? How can we help people? Because we're a really small business, and because we're creatives, we could literally pick up our laptops and work from home. But there's so many kind of service priorities that are on the front line that now had these huge barriers in place and weren't able to necessarily able to support the communities that they work with. So we reached out to a few charities that we admired and said, look, we're we're going to offer some pro bono work. Is Does this sound something that you'd be interested in? And Comfrey Project instantly got back to us and we just had a chat about their needs around trying to get the stories out of the people they work with and kind of inspiring change and just shouting a bit about what they do in challenging perspectives of refugees and asylum seekers and putting their voices centre stage. So that's kind of how the project came about. We had a chat about a theme for the project and we, we focused on resilience in terms of lockdown and how people have had to adjust and that resilience topic could have been as wide or as as big as any of the participants wanted it to be they could either share their personal story and obviously there's a lot of challenges around refugee and asylum status and getting to the UK and so if they wanted to and felt comfortable they could talk about that or they could do something that was kind of a bit less emotional and pick something like a child going to university and how that how they have to have resilience for changes like that in their life so there was five five people from Comfrey Projects that were part of the workshops, making sure that they just had a bit of a platform and learned something from the workshop. So I, I focused on like giving a story themed framework that they that anyone can pick up and use. Like so sharing the structure of a story and how that works, but without it being rigid because everyone has their own unique way of storytelling. So it was quite creative, really. They could type it up on Word, they could uh, record it and share it with us. There will be uh, one that's going to be animated that I'm going to be helping to create as well. So they were so varied, but each one was so eye-opening, you know, and that was for me, that's not even necessarily some of the people that these stories will hopefully reach. I'm speaking to Comfrey Projects about how else we can kind of push it in terms of bringing community together and whether when time allows, if we can do something within the actual Comfrey Project space where we've got different people kind of sharing their skills, whatever that may be, because the people that are part of Comfrey Project are amazing and so much talent there. So it'd be it'd be a shame not to kind of push the project as far as it can go. Telling my story is really was really relaxing for me. I feel relieved because in Turkey there were lo- there were lots of pressure on me. Um, I really couldn't tell anything to anyone for three and a half years uh, because of the pressure, because of the political pressure. So telling my story here is just very touching for me because I am having an opportunity to tell what I think, what I feel. And this is something really special for me. So telling my story was a great experience, really. It's, it's hard because 
when you have to explain your emotions about the past, it can be a bit challenging for your um, psychology, but because you are eventually remembering them. But yeah, but it was quite good because our mentor was a really, really cute lady. So um, I was always relaxed to tell about my story. The experience in general was really good. When you listen to my story, obviously it's a bit difficult for me to to remember the situation I was in and how did I feel. But in general was good because people can see how they improved their life and how they they came out of the situation. So you feel good at the end that you achieved something. So first of all, a little bit, uh, I'm not get used to telling this kind of stuff first time. It is a little bit challenging, but uh, all right. It is new experience for me. Maybe uh, I will tell some different stories in the future. But uh, it was in general good. The thing is, since I'm not good at English, I'm not so confident. It makes me a little bit challenging. <laughs> so just getting to work with with the five participants like personally and directly was really moving and to see that they took something from it that hopefully will they'll be able to continue within the project so yeah there was there's probably lots on reflection that I kind of took away from it and want to continue to think about and get involved with the country project however I can Maybe yes, one day I will I will write my story, my life story and how how I cope and how I improved myself basically. Maybe that can help other people. I can I can write something. Yeah, yeah, I will try it. I will try. Yeah, it really depends. Yeah, why not? Yeah, of course it depends. My dad is a journalist. He's very huge inspiration for me. So I don't think I will leave writing for a long time. I, I will be in the publishing world again. I just want to say one thing, which is to people, I want to say this, that if you are in a bad situation, think about future. Think about you will come over it one day. And... If you don't move forward, you won't achieve anything. If you stay in that situation, you will have that situation forever. But if you decide to change it, fight for it, and I'm sure you will get out of that situation soon.